Mountain Wellness is excited to have partnered with Inside Tracker. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside your body. People age at different speeds, and generic annual blood work doesn't properly evaluate your biological age, but Inside Tracker does. Inside Tracker is a truly personalized nutrition and performance system designed to extend your health span and slow down the aging process. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. You will get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise nutrition, and supplementation for your body. Add Inner Age 2.0 to any plan to calculate your true biological age and see how you're aging from the inside out. For a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash mountain wellness. That's insidetracker.com forward slash mountain wellness. What up, mountain athletes? Corey here. I want to talk to you about supplements. Uh, they can be so confusing. You don't know which ones to take. You don't know if you're taking a trusted brand. Uh, you're reading different stuff. Your friends are telling you stuff. Stop stressing. We got you here at Mountain Wellness. Head over to our website at mountainwellnesslife.com. Click on the menu tab and you'll see supplements. Once you're there, you will be able to shop and browse all of the trusted brands that we carry here at Mountain Wellness like Thorn Research, Peer Encapsulations. Uh, but the best part is if you set up a personal profile, if you have any questions, I can answer them personally. So maybe you don't know, even know what to take. Uh, I can answer those right there on your profile. Also, we have protocols that are already set up for general nutrition, uh, as far as just general daily protocols, um, and even specific protocols for gut. So head over to our website at mountainwellnesslife.com. Click on the menu tab and you'll see supplements and you'll be on your way to browsing and shopping all the trusted brands here at Mountain Wellness. Anxiety, stress, sleep, asthma, exercise-induced bronchoconstriction are all becoming epidemic in our population, especially in endurance sports. It's time to get control of our nervous system and respiratory performance. The best way to do this is through performance breathing. Two landmark studies have been done. The Framingham study and the study out of Buffalo University discovered that how long you live is primarily determined by how well you breathe. Yet very little is mentioned about breathing in our population. Not only did we at Mountain Wellness develop the methodology for breathing for the mountain athlete in the most demanding environments in the world, we went beyond that with our closed balance system. Testing it on multiple mountain passes at 10, 12, 13, and even on the summit of Mount Whitney multiple times, 14,000 feet. Because if you know how to thrive up there, you will crush your pursuits at 7, 8, 9, and 10,000 feet, reducing mountain sickness, increasing hydration, getting more oxygen delivery. This course covers everything to create the most optimal respiratory performance currently available. Head to mountainwellnesslife.com. Under the tab Courses, you can see the full outline of everything we offer in our online video training course. Whether you want to improve your health and longevity or want the best available strategy for the mountains on race day, we have you covered. Mountain Wellness, optimizing human performance to extend longevity for mountain athletes. 
athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Mountain Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Reed. And I'm joined, as always, with my co-host and mountain brother, Mr. Mike Mahina. What's going on, bro? Ah, California, Montana. I'm just uh, enjoying this uh, rain that we're finally getting here. We've got two storms, and I think it's going to be a good year. It is going to be a good year. I, You know, it's nice to see that those South, uh, SoCal mountains are already open. Early season, snow's flying. Um, we, Well, it's not even officially winter, and... I feel like even here in Montana, we've been, feels like winter. We've been in it for a couple of months already. <laughs> it's currently, I think, three degrees out right now. Uh, snow's been, was, was dropping all last night. So we're definitely in winter here. Damn. Oh, and happy birthday, by the way. Again. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, dude, we're trying again this again. Yeah, so we're trying it again. I, for the listeners, we recorded yesterday. We had a great conversation. We're going to attempt to, uh, well, we're going to talk about the same stuff, but you know, I, I pack stuff up and get ready to go home for the day. And, and part of that routine is to shut my podcast gear down and get the recorder set up for Shay, our operations manager, to upload it for Mike to Dropbox. And literally, as I was walking into the podcast studio, I was like, oh my gosh. I never freaking hit record yesterday when we started the podcast. <laughs> so, First um, time in 70 episodes. That's not bad. That's a good run. Oh, man. I was like, it was so hard to send you a text to tell you, man, because I was like beating myself up. And then I'm like thinking about all the, you know, the great little tidbits and Oh, man. It was that- such a good conversation. So we're going to do it again today. <laughs> we will get there. So we're we back. Will, this is this is about holiday gorging, man. This is about everything you're going to eat during the holidays and how to how to dodge the uh I call it the the fat mobile. Like it's like <laughs> how do I how do I keep these pounds down on the holiday cuz food is so psychological, man. It is and uh I I've changed quite a bit in the 10 years of being on this journey and uh we thought it'd be fun Mike and I to share, you know, basically some tips and things we've learned along the way and how to approach it in a healthy way. Because um, mm-hmm. when I, you know, going back to the beginning, when the holidays rolled around and I was really about this health thing and, and getting into self-optimization, I failed to forget that you have to be mindful of like letting loose sometimes and really enjoying times uh like the holidays when you get together with family and friends and there's a lot of yummy treats and uh, whether it's your your mom making your favorite dessert from when you're a kid around Christmas yep. or like apple pie or yeah just like all those things that let's be honest like it, one thing that drives me crazy in the, the sort of biohacking or human performance space there's a lot of like they like individuals almost talk about those foods like they're gross and like they don't enjoy them and it's like who doesn't enjoy <laughs> like an apple pie or some just i don't know some glutinous yummy sugar packed like treat like we all do it's just uh yeah. it's biological man it's like this stuff just tastes good but eating well, it all the time yeah, and, and you look back like uh, because, and I think this could be for a lot of us as we we come to this 
health place on a journey. So, you know, maybe like for my first 40 years of my life, I was eating everything I wanted. And I had, you know, I had the apple pies and the ice cream and give me more of that on, on Christmas and the holidays. And then you switch and you go the other way. But that psychological part of you growing up that still had those special desserts on the holidays is still with you, even though you've taken this health journey. And so now you've got the psychological of in your background of like, oh man, there's that, there's that one cake that I just love. And so then if you said to someone who made that cake, because this is where it gets gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't eat that stuff because it's got a lot of sugar in it. It's like for some people that create those special cookies and those special baked goods, that's their emotional way of sharing and giving because sometimes they can't articulate how they feel about people. So that's their way of giving. And so you might as well slap them across the face and just like, I'm not going to eat that. And so it's hard. So I, you know, I've definitely changed, gone back to where it's like, if someone's baking something, I will make a point to just participate and, and that and was made out of so obsessed, love. You know? It was prepared yeah, in love. Totally. And, you know, it's like biblical. It's like breaking bread, sit down and, um, yes, yes. And share with each other and the individual that, that prepped it or cooked it or even it was a combined effort. There's something really special there. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because there's something called blue zones, you know, in the world. And those are the areas or territories in the world of the, of the longest living individuals um, of the entire uh, population. And um, what's interesting about that is if you look at those blue zones, it's not like necessarily these crazy healthy as far or what I should say is what we consider um, like the typical healthy individual in the Western world, as far as like, you know, got their nutrition dialed. They do yoga. They do CrossFit. They are like, they got everything dialed. Their recovery. Um, right. They never touch alcohol. They don't. You know, they don't touch sweets. Yet, if you look at these blue zones, um, the one thing that's common is it's very typical for social gatherings, and in those social gatherings, alcohol is consumed, and it's not mm-hmm. alcohol it's the the importance of the social connection like that is so important for longevity and our mental health and that's where like i always come back to the balance thing because i have been the extreme i have been you know <laughs> Me like, too. totally strict i think it's important and i think it's part of the process i think everybody should go through it you just need to be mindful of how it's affecting the the individuals around you especially close loved ones um mm-hmm. but just because you want to or you make it a pretty extreme change uh, doesn't mean you should expect others to make the extreme change around you. Um, it, you hope that they support you, but you know, just saying, "Oh, I'm not going to eat bread anymore," so I expect my spouse not to eat bread anymore is not realistic. And I'll be the first to say that I've been guilty of some of these things, and it definitely has an effect. But going back to the blue zones, it's. Uh, it's you know hypothesized or there's a theory around it that the reason they live long is because of the social connection. It's not necessarily like the the foods they're eating or you know um, oh the other factor was they walked a lot. So they are in areas where walking is more common. Some some of these Mediterranean areas and Loma yeah, Linda you is move, the only, only you U.S. Um, uh, uh, town or city to be in the blue zone. And um, interestingly enough, that's a 
Loma Linda is primarily Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. And there's some... Very interesting. But, you know, it's interesting about that. I think it goes along with this theory is even though... And for those that don't know, in SDA or Seventh-day Adventism, it's a Christian denomination or organization. Um, but they're primarily, or they promote vegetarianism. So uh, mm. a plant-based diet. Uh, they're very well known for their uh, medical. Um, they have a Loma Linda University Medical School, but they've done a lot of research around you know promoting or or research around the vegetarian diet or plant-based diets. And you know, there's um definitely good to have a good plant base like foundation. Uh, but anyways, mm-hmm. th- I think the whole point of what I'm trying to make is Loma Linda being the longest, uh, one of the blue zones, longest living individuals in the U S even though, you know, my belief is they don't have an optimal diet. Vegetarianism or veganism is not optimal. It's lacking in a lot of things. However, if you look at the cultural of seven day Adventists, it's so, so much around community. It's, um, social connection like from like everything it's so i i think it uh it kind of lends to you know how much importance social connection is well and i think we had a good example of that also through the pandemic it's like all of a sudden we were all isolated and we were and, and we started feeling there's a lot of depression i think happening and even in people like myself i'm a pretty positive individual but i felt myself at times feeling depressed because i was there was just <laughs> don't go outside i'm like you can't go anywhere okay uh i don't know what that, i would have done if i didn't have massage like i got you know i was still connecting yeah. and with clientele i was only shut down for six weeks but yeah for you guys like you're already struggling with that being a composer and i work at home yeah exactly you you're right at, i do mm-hmm. <laughs> totally work from home i'm like okay i gotta get out now and be like get social and so yeah i have a, a small group of friends and, and uh i try to it's really important, but psychologically, yeah, from a depression standpoint, you know, you could you could call that as important as anything that you eat or anything else. And remember, you told me about George Burns living oh, yeah. so long, and I and we were talking about he smoked a cigar. He always had a cigar in his hand, but I think he, the one thing about him, he was always telling jokes and he was happy. And so I think that obviously contributed to his. I think he went close to a hundred years old. Um. So yeah, that's high power, man. So you're so how you feel about going into the holidays, I guess, is what we're really saying is a big factor in all of it. Just as important. Yep. And and then so the the second part of that that we really want to talk about today is um where are you now? Like that's the question you have to ask yourself because mm. you know, we you can go episodes back and we've mentioned it or if you're a new listener there's a term that we use a lot called metabolic flexibility and this is so important to develop metabolic flexibility because um we i think know, it's the most valuable thing you taught me as far as for one of the most valuable things i ever learned from you is metabolic flexibility but go ahead sorry i just super grateful for that yeah and you know like i feel the same way from the people i learned it from the really smart individuals that i happen to just like come across and, mm-hmm. and start to follow and research and study. And, but we know that 90% of the population is, has some sort of metabolic um, I- issue, um, whether they're pre-diabetic or maybe they don't, like, 
they have insulin resistance um, or they're just not good. Like basically they get hangry when they don't eat. And that's a sign of poor uh, metabolism. And so that's so, being driven by what they're eating, fuel. It's What you're saying is that's, that that metabolic issue is primarily uh, food related? Yeah, so ex- exactly. Okay. So when we think about like what, let's just talk first about what metabolic flexibility is. Like metabolics mm-hmm. is just talking about like um, uh, um, your metabolism. So how healthy is your cellular metabolism at utilizing different fuels and for the sake of the conversation without like going really deep we have two primary or three fuels that we work on or use we have glycogen uh, we have fatty acids and we have ketones and if we look at western or even most of let's just say western culture it's not even the u.s but western culture we have an abundance of carbohydrates um, every single meal we're, we're eating some type of carbohydrate. And mm-hmm. the only time that we don't have, um, elevated levels, and I'm not necessarily talking about, uh, high levels, but I'm just talking about, you know, levels of glycogen in the blood, um, that are moderate. Well, the only time we don't is when, or we're not consuming carbohydrates or having elevated blood sugars when we're sleeping. And, and we know most people have poor sleep too, or a lot of people. Mm. Um, so with that said, uh, metabolic flexibility is the, is the ability to use different types of fuel substrates or different fuels um, and have no instability when you're switching over to those different fuels. And I know that can be a little confusing what I just said, but to make it really simple uh, to understand um, when we are just like when we're basically uh, going about our normal day and consuming any type of like, or just like a normal calories, normal food, uh, where we're going to be primarily burning glycogen because we have elevated blood sugar. Um, we are burning a certain amount of fatty acids that are also present in the bloodstream because most of us are eating fat. We're consuming fat, whether it's, you know, good fats, bad fats, um, mm-hmm. we can get into that later um, but regardless we're consuming fats we're consuming proteins and we're consuming carbohydrates so with that we have an elevated level of blood sugar and we have an elevated level of fatty acids so our cells use those um, basically they're, it's metabolized it's, it's digested process metabolized and then used for fuel but because of traditional diets where we're constantly eating (laughs) other than when we're sleeping or second part of that is we're eating a lot of carbohydrates especially with each meal that means that we're never exercising on them too like in between those major meals we're snacking on carbs high carb sweet drinks all that stuff exactly so what that does is it it never forces your body to rely or switch over to the other fuel source which would be uh, fatty acids uh, as its primary. Now it's always burning a certain level because you're going to have, it's never one or the other. There's a ratio, but gotcha. the, the only way to not be burning glycogen is 
you have to stop consuming carbohydrates. And then the second part of that was the only way to drive yourself from not burning glycogen is literally you have to, the best way is to to not eat at all, like to fast. So it forces your metabolism to be like, okay, like there's no, there hasn't been any calories on board, none in the stomach, none circulating in the bloodstream, blood sugars dropping to a certain level. That's when we, something called metabolic flexibility comes into play. It's, it's, that means your cells or your cellular metabolism is really good at going, okay, it's time to start utilizing fatty acids as our primary fuel source. When those start to deplete the, 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 the fuel that starts to come on board are ketones. And ketones are, Which is are kicked amazing. out. By right. Like this, so this like, concept is so powerful and so amazing. When you taught this to me, I can, the only way I can just, uh, the only way I understand it, some of what you just said is also by going on a 16 hour fast. So I stop eating around four or five o'clock. That's my last meal. And then I will do yoga and then in the morning, the following morning, and then I will go on a five mile run still with no food in my system. So I'll go. You know, five mile run and just drinking water and electrolytes. And I don't have the hunger pains that I would have if I was more carb dependent. I don't, I don't have any point where I get dizzy or feel weird. So I know that it's working for me. Does that make sense? What you showed me. Yep. That's a, and that's a perfect test. I mean, that's like without doing a full workup, like we just did with Inside Tracker, where you're looking at um, different mm-hmm. fasting markers, which, I've mentioned this many times on this show that in longevity medicine, like the two biomarkers for health and longevity are fasting insulin and fasting blood sugar. Well, this is exactly what we're talking about. We haven't talked about insulin yet, but um, carbohydrate intake, elevated glycogen or elevated blood sugar causes insulin to rise. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, that insulin resistance is a really bad thing. And 90% of the population has some sort of metabolic issue. So what Mike is saying is that when he goes on his run, he's not waking up and eating a thousand calories, doing this big old like shake or scrambled eggs and toast. And like, he's not, he's doing a little bit of coffee. Do you do a little bit of uh, grass fed butter in your coffee? And, and yeah, I, I just drink water. I just drink water actually in those mornings. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll so, have a coffee, but a lot of times it's just water. He, that's an even better example, though. So he's going completely fasted, going on a run, which is taking that's a metabolic demand on the body outside of just normal function, right? That's not Mike sitting at his computer composing music or podcasting. Like he's out actually running in a, an aerobic zone and he in has a put, state. In a fasted gotcha. state, exactly. Um, so that that, and you're not getting hangry, you're not getting lightheaded, you're not getting dizzy, which you've experienced. We've you know totally. We've, we've worked through all these things over the years, uh, but now that the fact that you don't, and you've probably noticed that cognition, like your your mental sharpness, is so much better, and it gets only better as the hours go on. Um, obviously, yeah, you and, can't do it forever, more, but it's more stable as well. Like, like you're saying it's that clarity remains from the moment I wake up after the fast and then go on my run. And so then it's about noon and then I'll come home and I'm not starving. I'll say, okay, I'm hungry, but I'm not, I'm not desperate. I'm not dizzy. I'm not feeling like I got to eat right now. I'm going to pass out. There's none of that. And that, 
having that ability, and I know now if I ever got to the point where I went on a five-mile run and I was having an issue and dizzy and really hungry, I know, ooh, too carb-dependent right now. That would tell me, right? That mm-hmm. that would be a sign. Yep. And he, yep, uh, exactly. So that's great. I mean, that that's without doing crazy blood work and all the workups and stuff and quantitative, all the, yeah. the, the fun little watches and stuff it's like you know right there that you have good metabolic flexibility interesting um, so and, so, and so the how only does this way apply to the to the holiday so let's how do we apply this to the holidays or finish your thought but how do we apply this to how to eat through the holidays right okay so going back um to what i said about we have to think about where we're at now if 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 you've been listening for a while and you started to try to adopt some of these um things like or uh, you're starting to understand metabolic flexibility. You're starting to introduce intermittent fasting, which we've talked about on, on previous episodes. You understand that carbohydrate intake is key. Um, now you, or even let's just say, you know that you've developed metabolic flexibility based on what Mike just shared. Like you can go out on a run in a fasted state and, and not, and, and when you're done, you don't feel hangry. You don't feel like you need to go eat um, and, and you feel good. Mm-hmm. that is that congratulations you've done your work like you've you've optimized or you've really dialed in your metabolism and you have good mm. metabolic flexibility so if you're at a place like that um like mike and i that's where oh i lost the video oh. that's okay i still got you though i got your audio but yeah i lost All your right. video you want me to get the video back up and going that's totally up to you But yes, I'm following what you're saying. Um, gosh, I'm just so stoked to have that ability um, to... to Because I used to... Man, 11 o'clock in the morning, I'd be hungry. And if I didn't eat, I'd be literally agitated. And I don't have that anymore. So yeah, that definitely has to do with the change in in just what I eat and the way I eat. Got video... Hold on. I'm almost back up. Sorry, guys. No, no worries. Got a storm going on over there. <laughs> no, you got a call coming you in. You see yeah. me now? You got me? Yeah, I got, I got you. Okay, boom. All right. All right. So let me pick up. I remember exactly where I was at. <laughs> okay. So what I was saying is that uh, if you're at a place where Mike and I are at now, good metabolic flexibility, you can go out on that run in a fasted state. This is where you can start taking advantage of the training you've done or the self-optimization that you have. Um, Mm. And that's the mistake that I made in the past. This is what we're talking about in the beginning of the show about basically like enjoy the holidays and enjoy your social time together. Eat some good food because now that you haven't, you've optimized your, your metabolism, you have metabolic flexibility um, and you know, the importance of like carbohydrate timing so the, you've developed insulin sensitivity, all that good stuff we've talked about. Now you can basically enjoy yourself because you know that although you're going to consume some sugary goods and some carbohydrates that maybe are you know not ideal, they're not necessarily considered a healthy carbohydrate, mm-hmm. um, y- your system can handle it. 
it's gonna it's gonna go oh i got a shit ton of glycogen on board my blood sugar's through the roof like we we need to burn (laughs) this fuel and it switches back over it starts burning it um and i can guarantee you that most of you if you are dialed in if you sleep six to eight hours after that you're gonna be back into primarily fat burning mode in the morning (laughs) and uh i hate the it's it's like I use that term. It's like fat burning. I, I, I literally mean from a metabolic state and you know, we've all heard the, the keto diet it's popular, but it, it's basically it's derived from a metabolic state, nutritional ketosis. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, that's part of having metabolic flexibility. So you either want to be in, in some state of ketosis, moderate or, or deep, depending on, you know, that's, that's how long you restrict carbs or how long you fast, or you're going to be in a very insulin sensitive state where you can tolerate a shit ton of carbohydrates. And that's a good place to be in the holidays because if, if you have good cellular or a good, um, if you basically are primarily a fat burner, if you're doing intermittent fasting, uh, keto intermittently, um, now you can just you can really take advantage and and you're not pushing yourself in you know it it's not going to be a, a a big impact especially if you're maintaining your your fitness and your movement through the holidays so just keeping that in mind that um you don't right. need to be so strict right and i and i love that you've called keto a tool rather than lifestyle and that the lifestyle that we have now like that you and i have it's like we can eat whenever we want but we're conscious of our of our timing. Um, we know that, like you said, we're not going to eat that every day or three times a day. It's, 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 it's timing. And it's like, okay, well, I've worked out. I fasted for 12 hours. If I had this piece of cake later and just one piece, not three, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm not going to worry about it. It's like, so yeah, it's, uh, cause I'm a foodie. I mean, you know, <laughs> the Western industrial nations have, have d- taken food to the, farther than anyone ever thought humanly possible for with preservatives and the ability to eat anything we want and so that's what we're up against on the holidays it's like times 10 and that's and it's so true but another thing i want to bring up there are for me there are non-negotiables like there mm-hmm. are times yeah. like yep. i do draw the line you know totally and one of those is vegetable oil you know, of course it's going to sneak in. Of course there's going to be things that you just can't control. Um, I'm but, glad you brought this up. Yeah. You know, that is, that is one thing that's like, you know what, that's, that's a non-negotiable for me. I know how bad that is, you know, on so many levels. Um, Dude, you got me to stop eating French fries, which was, I thought was an impossibility, but I'm like, you know what? Every restaurant, wherever you go is using, you know, soybean oil, canola oil. <laughs> I would ask him at the restaurant, what kind of oil do you use? And they'd usually have to come back and be like, yeah, we're using like canola oil or soybean oil <laughs> reheated all day long. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> right. And it's, um, yeah. And, and, and what is it me, about those oils? Just so they get a quick, you know, what is it about the oils that are not good for you? Just so they know. Because it's they're uh, everywhere. Heart, These oils are in everything. A- atherosclerosis, heart disease. Like I truly believe, based on some of really smart uh, cardiologists, um, that the linoleic acid um, that is primarily like that's the 
the type of fat or lipid that's found in these processed oils mm. um, is, is the factor that's causing like clot, like the, the plaque, the atherosclerosis. Um, and, and basically like the way I, and I wish I could remember the, the cardiologist that explained it. Um, it was on STEM talk, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, definitely like, uh, academia like it's all research they have some great scientists and and researchers and physicians on there but he basically put it as like when we eat an undenatured or unprocessed um fat that hasn't been heated to a high temperature the the lipids are not damaged so like the actual like if you look at the the lipids under a microscope they're fluffy like the outer edge is is nice and fluffy so when we ingest that and um, our cholesterol levels are, or our, our cholesterol circulating in our blood, it's, we want to have, and Mike and I have been talking a lot about this because we just had that workup from inside tracker. So we saw our lipid profile, but totally, you know, we want a good, we want more HDL high, um, the, the HDL, which is like, it's a, it's a bigger, it, it, well, from my understanding, it looks like a fluffy cloud. Like it's a big fluffy uh, type of molecule or lipid and, and it and it passes really easy through the vascular system without any obstruction. Ah. And then we have the LDL cholesterol, which is associated, I think, with more of like the immune response. And you want that at a lower or moderate level. Um, that's the one that's more debatable. And then triglycerides is, uh, that's one that you want to keep really low because triglyceride levels are related to blood sugar. What we're talking about, like when we have constantly high elevated blood sugar, and especially when we're not using it for energy, the body will convert that to triglycerides and store it as fat. And that's when we start getting the stomach beer belly, um, or in the rear end, um, that sub that sort of subcutaneous fat. That's where it stores. So you see high triglycerides, not a good deal. So you see a high total on all those, you know, oh shit, that's not good. Like if you're high on everything, that's a pretty good indicator that your diet is just in the tank. Um, gotcha. So with that said, if we think about, this is why Mike knows how much butter I eat. I think a lot of people are shocked when they actually hang out with me for a weekend. Right. Like, but then your system's nice and clean. <laughs> me too. I eat a lot of butter too. But but butter is like, it's a very good source of fat. And every cell in our body, the outer membrane of the cell is made up of a fat membrane. It's made up of a lipid. And those lipids are derived from essential fatty acids that we consume. So if we're primarily consuming processed oils, vegetable oils all the time, or most of the time when we're not using olive oils, uh, grass-fed butters, ghee, all, uh, avocado oil, or like cold pressed. You want to make sure it's cold pressed. Basically good undenatured oils that are, are unprocessed. Um, the, that, whatever you're consuming, basically what I'm getting at, that's what the outer cell is made up of. That's what the, the body is relying on, the building blocks, the raw materials to, to make up that outer membrane. And, and you know, we're getting into like the deep cellular stuff. Um, Dave Asprey has a lot of great work on this, like on the, from down to the mitochondria level. But when you're talking about so, an outer f- membrane of the cell that is compromised, that doesn't have good sort of like connectivity, 
because it's it's all about electricity like it's the it basically there's a lack of communication there's a disruption there's not a really solid vibration or a frequency we're getting down to so like, if they're talking about like yeah yeah if they're high heating the oils then let's say you're at a restaurant and they're making french fries all day and they're just keep reheating that oil on high heat is that then is that kind of the one of the bad things because of the way it's being utilized yeah so and yeah that that's exactly it. that's the second part of it that i was getting to is that now when you take a highly processed heated oil Remember how I mentioned if you look at a good, healthy, uh, um, unprocessed oil, like the the lipids mm-hmm. look fluffy and they're not they're soft right. in the outer on the outside. It's the opposite with processed seed oils. They look like sandpaper. They're 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 oxidized. They're they've been processed. So gotcha. what happens now? You ingest that. It goes to the vascular system, and when it gets to those really important areas like the arteries or the micro capillaries or really small blood vessels it causes micro abrasions is the way that i heard this cardiologist explain it that just kind of so just painted a perfect picture so then that causes micro abrasions um no different than when we scrape our knee get a little you know and it scabs over over time when you're ingesting those over you know years and years and years and um Eventually, what starts to happen is like your your in your arterial walls, like the um, endothelium wall, that basically the inside of the vasculature system becomes stiff. It's rigid. It's not like soft and and bendy and like nice and fluid. It's now like become rigid. So your plumbing starting to like get shitty. Um, and then gotcha. that's eventually when um, you start to get plaque that builds up. And the next, mm-hmm. next thing you know, those arteries start to narrow and then boom, it's a heart attack. You got to get a stent put in. That's my belief on it. I mean, I've heard en- enough really smart individuals, doctors, physicians in longevity medicine explain it in that way. Because that's not generally accepted in like, you know, I don't know what you call it, general medicine practice. Like it's gotcha. Like, right. I don't know. But so anyways, the whole, my whole, I guess our point of that is try to stay away from vegetable oils like they're i believe it's one of the most like worst things for your health where for me it used to be like stay away from processed you know flour like sugar yeah, I, put, um, I put the oils up there with with just too much sugar it's just really bad on the system it's just it's i yeah. consider it the same kind of thing so, um and and i think something we talked about yesterday that really kind of blew my mind is when we were talking about how, because we did a whole breathwork online course and all of that, and, and we've learned a lot about breathwork and cellular respiration and how food and oxygen, when they mix, that's what's the power plant to the body. And so I, I would love for you to kind of give, try to give me that rundown of, of what's happening because, boy, if you can get your diet and your food intake right with good fuel and you know how to breathe properly, you have absolutely changed your life <laughs> for the better. Dude. I mean, I right? this is Come where it, this is what I was you can go back to listen to George Dallum's episode we had George Dallum from Colorado State University he's a respiratory physiologist he, him and his team have done some early published research on the 
benefits of nasal breathing with endurance athletes. So yeah, we were, we really wanted to talk to him for that. And it's been, gosh, it's been a while. I think it was like a year ago almost, but we're, we're still consulting with them. Uh, I think we actually mentioned it on a few episodes back, but you know, that's what I, I brought it up with him and I didn't, I don't think I could I was still trying to wrap my, my mind around it and, and think about these diff, these two systems, but obviously the two systems go together. And for me being a, a car guy, like a gearhead, um, I keep going back to like the way the internal combustion engine works. Like you got fuel and you got oxygen and, um, you know, those are the two most important things. And there's this internal combustion in the cylinder. It fires the piston and moves the rod, the crank, so on and so forth. And, and, and now you got drive to the back wheels. So that's your output. But if you change the, the oxygen um, ratios to not having or not having the right fuel, for example, if you have a car that runs on 92 octane and you accidentally put 87 in it, it, it runs like crap because it's not the air fuel mixture is not dialed. Like that's what, that's why cars get on dynos and get tuned. So I always kind of think of humans, like how can we dyno a human and get them dialed in? And now we have tools like inside tracker where we can look at blood, we can look at genetics and we can kind of see like, all right, this is what's going on. But, you know, we know we were, we were at Brian McKenzie's uh, clinic down in LA at shift adapt and, Brian had mentioned something about working with, uh, I think it was at Stanford, but he talked about athletes being on a, a met cart and it's a metabolic cart. It's great for this conversation today. Cause we've been talking about metabolic flexibility, but one thing that was interesting is he was saying that um, in an, an aerobic state. So that would be like slow, steady, slow state, steady cardio, like on a bike or a treadmill yeah, we're just jogging. You okay. could, right. And you could, and you and I like jogging next to each other and we can maintain a conversation or we're on bikes and we could just maintain a conversation. So like basically that kind of output. Um, so uh, uh, they had them hooked up to a met cart so they can look at the basically exhaust or the, um, the, the exchange of inhale to exhale uh, and respiration and there's a lot that you can learn by what you're exhaling as far as like you can learn a lot about what fuels are being used and so in one, the carbon dioxide part is that the that's the exhale the carbon dioxide is that the is that part of the so exhaust, more or less yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you asked that because um no so that's part of it carbon dioxide is one part of it but it's more of um so when you're in a, an aerobic zone, we want to be like, if you're optimal, you want to be burning fat. Like you want to be burning primarily fatty acid because we know that glycogen is a, is used for burst of energy, short burst of energy. That's not long mm. sustainable endurance output, you know? And, and when we're talking about mountain sports, that's most of our pursuits are mostly, aerobic based with endurance burst of endurance based so aerobic output with short burst of anaerobic like or even Mm -hmm. you know beyond that so going back to the met card they had these athletes at a slow state cardio or you know just moderate aerobic pace and they were looking at the difference in their their exchange of uh, on the exhale and when we're burning fatty acids 
um, the exhaust is going to be primarily beta hydroxybutyrate. And I am not a scientist. This is just you know a lot of things I've researched and read. So <laughs> don't like hold gotcha. me ex- to exact facts on this. This is just, but basically the takeaway was that, um, or yeah, if you're burning fatty acid, you, your exhaust is going to be primarily uh, beta hydroxybutyrate. So it's like you can, there's a certain type of gas. Now, I don't know what it is for glycogen, but if you're burning glycogen, it's different. Like that, that ratio is going to drop or that number is going to drop with beta hydroxybutyrate. Mm. But the crazy part about this is like, we know that when you're in aerobic zone, you don't want to be burning glycogen. You don't, that's not, that's not good. That, that you're burning the wrong fuel source. Um, and you're probably in a sympathetic driven state now just by changing. So they had them nasal breathe and, they were at a certain ratio, but when they had them change to mouth breathing, it didn't matter. It, it basically, by not changing their output at all, they shifted way more to burning glycogen just by hmm. switching from nasal breathing to mouth breathing. So basically what ah. we're getting at is it's optimal to nasal breathe. Like you don't, you don't want to either, basically if you, if you mouth breathe, especially when you're in an aerobic zone, now you're going to be burning glycogen and that's not good. Now to give you an analogy or like something to how we can look at it from uh, an athlete perspective or application, it's endurance sports. If like, let's use ultra like hundred milers or 50 plus. Um, it is the goal for an athlete to build capacity. That's what training is for. Like he's going to build his own, of his, his aerobic capacity. So he wants to be able to maintain a very high output, watt output, whether he's on the bike or he's running metabolic output with, within a aerobic heart rate zone, because we know with, you know, once you exceed a certain heart rate and you demand a certain, uh, there's a certain energy demand on the body. That's when different fuel substrates or different fuels are used. But it, just by learning that um, if we mouth breathe, doesn't matter when, if we're at rest or if we're running, we're going to primary, we're going to be burning more glycogen. So if you're doing that over a hundred mile run, mm-hmm. um, it's you now are increasing your glycogen demand, like the amount of fuel you need. Um, it's probably likely that you don't have, you're not a, a fat burner, so your energy is is used. Um, you're primarily basically relying on carbohydrates as your fuel source. Um, and that's where you're going to have to really rely on things like goo packs and, and a lot of these simple, you know, simple sugars to, to keep the energy up for the demand. Um, and I know it's a lot, but it's just, it's to basically it's making that connection of, of your respiration to the, the, uh, metabolic uh, demand and and I, they go hand in hand. So the same way that we can use um, basically we can use um, breath as a really good gauge to, to given uh, to understand what fuels we're using in the race. Like there's, there's some, some really good tools there that we can become aware of. But the whole thing is, man, we, you got to dial in your metabolism. Like we got to become primarily fat burners. And the only way to do that is understand the importance of carbohydrate timing 
into you know start experimenting with intermittent fasting um mm-hmm. and and you yeah you have to start shifting your metabolism to burning fat most of the day rather than relying on carbohydrates or glycogen it's interesting because I never thought of of food. There's these there's these two things that create all the energy systems. It's the mixture of the oxygen that you're breathing, and of course the way you're breathing it is very important. Um, and then the fuel source itself. But you know, I, I go back to the the guy that was doing cross country running, who was uh, a friend of mine. His son started having asthma attacks that he hadn't had for years, but when he was out running in a race, he had an asthma attack. And, you know, he was mouth breathing, but I'm thinking about that sympathetic fight or flight state we were talking about where he's, I mean, you think about what a sympathetic state or fight or flight is, is when you're running from a lion, but in a race, you're simulating all of those moments because you're running and you're trying to stay ahead of someone. So you're, you're, and you're hyperventilating through the mouth. And, um, so you're driving that high sympathetic tone. And I think that's what we're talking about is like, there's a sympathetic state that's connected to the breathing as well when you're breathing through hyperventilating through the mouth. Well, and consider this too. You have a this is very common in our space. There's especially with runners. It's like you have a a lot of people that are don't have good metabolic flexibility and they say, I'm gonna do a marathon. I'm gonna sign up for a marathon. They maintain the same uh, dietary intake, right, they right. will increase their calories, but they're eating the same types of foods, but then they go out and do an endurance type of event. Um, they don't have their breathing dialed in like you're, you're saying. Um, and we know that breathing through the mouth is, it's a sympathetic driver. It's a stress response on the body. And we Suboptimal. also know, yep. right, right. And we also know too, that it's when we're mouth breathing, it, it potentially could change the fuel source and we could burn more glycogen. And, and, I, and the way I, I think that is, is because of what Mike mentioned, it's the sympathetic tone. So if there's a sympathetic response to the system, um, that's good. We need that, but it's also can be bad if it's for a prolonged period of time. And when we're talking mm-hmm. about an endurance event, like a marathon or an ultra or anything that you're, you know, doing for hours at a time. If you're breathing through your mouth, you're sending the signal. It's a basically a stress response. Uh, we know that heart rate on average is ten to twenty beats higher per minute just by mouth breathing versus nasal breathing. Um, and, and, now and dehydration, have, is, dehydration, <laughs> just going through the roof. The metabolic demand of running a race because now you have like literally you have a, a an output that you're demanding the body of, so you need fuel. Uh, but guess what happens? People, if they, being carb burners, are primarily relying on, um, basically, they're not exercising any bit of fasting. So they have no metabolic flexibility. Once they run out of fuel in the blood, their cells not good at f- switching, the, like basically switching over. And it's hard enough when you're not demanding that from the body like it's you know when you when i switch people over to a like a keto approach like getting them into a state of nutritional ketosis like they can it could be hard depending on how oh yeah i could them to start so they go do right. a run and on top of that like think of the stress <laughs> it's just compounding so it's no wonder like you know people feel like complete crap and but then we could i mean there's just some small changes you can make that can have a profound effect like breathing it's 
It's interesting because keto has a transitional period of time, just like learning from mouth breathing to nasal breathing. But if you could master those two things, oh boy, you have, like you're saying, the, the flexibility, um, the ability to burn different fuels, the ability to function at a, at a, a more relaxed state, almost a more parasympathetic state, no one way I don't know how to describe it, but, but it's just going to help you overall. I mean, I, I get yep. it. I see what you're saying. It's incredible. Well, we have to remember too, like the one thing that's really been a common theme lately in my work and a lot of the stuff that um, are, you know, groups of people that are friends and colleagues and stuff like that is the nervous system. Like the, the, the nervous system is so much the driver of the health in our body. And if we are stuck in a, in a, chronic state of sympathetic drive like it doesn't matter what you're doing if you don't manage your stress um it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter what diet you're eating it doesn't matter exercise can actually be more detrimental because your cortisol and adrenaline is already through the roof and it's just going to drive that further and um adrenals just get shot it's just equally tied to the emotional um, state as much as anything else and the connections. Yeah. Damn. Right. So it, it really comes back to the, you got to start with the, the foundations and, and the foundation is breath. That's what we believe. Like once you harness your breath and understand how your breath can modulate your nervous system in both ways, sympathetic or parasympathetic, that's the first step in my opinion. That's why it's so fun coaching now because and that's it's why like breathwork uh, practice, yeah, breathwork yeah. practice can also improve your emotional, mental state right out of the gate. So, I mean, you can use a breathwork practice yep. to lower your stress. I mean, we know that slow breathing and, and slow, deep nasal breathing is going to uh, reduce stress in your system. So that's kind of like the foundation. You're right, and then it moves on from there. And then you know, if you're getting your fueling, this is a lifestyle. I mean, there's no other way yes. to you know. You got to do some yep. work, but if you don't do the work. I mean, we're just coming out of a pandemic. The co- pneumonia, viruses, none of that stuff takes a break. It's still out there, and it's still trying to gather strength. So, in my mind, it's like we got to do everything we can now to just to maintain our health through these difficult times. That you know, we're dealing with different strains. We don't know what they're going to do. You know, my concern is that there could, and I don't like to speak this into existence, but that there could be a strain that comes along that's just a little bit stronger that kicks us in the ass again. And I'm like, uh, you know, so I'm doing everything I can at 57 to stay strong and healthy. Cause I know like this stuff doesn't rest or take a break. That's exactly it. And that's why I live just like trained for the unknown. It's great. Yep. People, you just don't know what, it, what's going to come, whether like Mike's talking about uh, some, virus that goes uncontrollable and it's but i don't know yeah if you're you're ready for it yeah (laughs) but the medical industry isn't is changing too we know that that they're the models are changing and like my doctor's like hey i'm cutting my patients down from a thousand to 300 because i'd only want to work with people that are taking an active interest in their in their health that are actually working with me because a lot of people don't i just hand them a pill then they stay maintain their lifestyle yeah, and, and the they're pill. just a drain on everything yeah so i as mean as far I'm thinking, as like the gosh, system 
Yeah, and I, I realize, wow, the, the medical community's kind of thrown up their hands too. It's like I can't, I can't help people that don't want to change their lifestyle. So we just we just manage them with pain and medication, which we all know leads to other issues. So, you know, it, it just becomes a, it becomes so essential when you look at the big picture, just get on board with mountain wellness, man. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> trying to, yeah, trying to empower. That's, that's the whole plan in this. Um, Cause it can be hard. It can be hard to navigate, but you know, the big takeaway today is that, you know, just really assess where you're at. Yeah. If you've, if you've done the work and, and, you know, you feel like you've, really dialed some things in this last year and this this is time to really enjoy yourself like this is what the training's for but if you're at a place that you know this is new to you and you've been wanting to make a change and you know enjoy the holidays but also kind of like be mindful like this is a great time to start as far as like making changes as we start the new year and um I know people harp on new year's resolutions. I don't like if people are wanting to make a damn change, like that's amazing. You know, the statistics aren't great. A lot of new year's resolutions fall off, but you know, it's that that's the first step. If, if they're willing to, to make a resolution and, and try to make a change like good for them. So that's all I got. Yeah, that's no, my just that's re- my wisdom for the day, <laughs> dude. You just reminded me of a Facebook post I saw yesterday, and it had a bottle of Coca Cola, and it had all these different things next to it that of the benefits of Coke, and it was like it can clean rust, it can take <laughs> you know, it was all these amazing things that it could do that was like taking paint off, and I'm thinking, wow, like this person was actually saying, I you know, this she was thanking a friend on the post saying that you got me off of drinking coca-cola and i was just grateful and so she was making a post about how she's trying to change her way and just slowly eliminating those things that we know aren't good for us but we're just hooked on them and i'm like it's like french fries it's like coca-cola those daily things that you're like there they are man there they are and so those are the things that if you can start cutting going after them one at a time man eventually it just leads you to you just feel better i, I think it just leads you on a great path it's all it does. I got. And it, yeah. And don't take it like I, I want one thing I want to add is when you do start doing that, start paying attention, start paying attention to how you feel. Cause that's the way to start making change. The only way to make change is like, or at least for me, it's like, Oh, I did that. And I actually noticed I feel different versus, all right, I got to do this diet or I got to do this program or whatever. Like start to develop the, the, the feeling that, that, intuitive sense and just know what you're what's going on with your body it's it's pretty amazing when you can learn it because it's uh you have that ability mm-hmm. we all have oh. it. we all have the ability um Love it, and i know this can be hard so coaching is available um you know that's something we do here all right if you're interested shoot us an email at uh, team at mountainwellnesslife.com and uh we can, we can i can help you navigate this so dude i'm living uh, proof i am living proof of Corey reed's ability to help uh get your health in order i i mean i'm a different person than i was 10 years ago completely and, well yeah uh, now you're I, coaching dude <laughs> it's amazing well, I, I, but I, I credit that to you and, and so i know that anybody out there that's like on the fence like well i don't know I, you know if i it is hard to where do I start? 
And then you want that. It's not even hard to stay where to start. It's also the discipline to hang in there. It's like, it's easy, like you said, to make the resolution, but to hang in there month after month until you're made that full switch over and you feel amazing. You're like, Oh, I'm not going back now. That's, that's the, you know, so having a coach would be amazing. Well, yeah, that's, that's the learning curve and that's what we're trying to mm-hmm. take away. You know, it's, uh, by our mm-hmm. online training programs. Um, and, and we try to make, that make me accountable. As <laughs> much as accountable. A, right. I know that's what I was going to say. It's like, we, we always are mindful of that when we're developing our training programs, which, um, yeah. We're going to have an official launch of, of the Breathwork Performance course coming up soon. And we're going to have some special offers on that. So we'll keep you guys posted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working with some some top mountain athletes. And we we got some things in the works that we're not going to announce yet. But uh, let's just say uh, they're, they're on the sports side of training. Um, and then uh, uh, definitely uh, what we talked about today. You know, the nutrition metabolics like all these really important factors for longevity and then obviously the performance side of it so um stay tuned we got some some really good things in the works and that's to help you guys because we spent the last 10 years figuring this stuff out or at least you know we're still trying to figure it out but we have learned a lot and we can deliver that information and package it and and help you guys and we're all winning here so that's what it's all about all right bro it's my uh birthday weekend the big four zero on monday which this is at this is going to come out on my birthday so old man crazy i know (laughs) i I have to say i don't feel old old man yet and i'm 15 years older than you i know i don't either i feel amazing i mean i just did a run two days ago and i was like i feel good i feel all right yeah so i don't i mean i've definitely had the like dang it's been 40 years and um but it's not one of those sort of like damn i just let things go and i feel like crap and i'm i'm actually really stoked that i dedicated the last 10 years to my health is um I'm that's probably the I'm best gift, gift you could ever give yourself you know um is just taking care of your, taking the time to take care of yourself which is another thing that's probably people have to deal with emotionally is that they matter enough to be willing to take the time to take care of themselves. You know, I think that's another whole, we could probably do a whole nother podcast. Maybe we should bring somebody on for that one. I like that. Yeah. Let's not forget why we do it. We do it because we want to do the things we love, like mountain pursuits and being in the outdoors, um, for a long time. Like I want to be doing this stuff for a long time. So heck yeah. All right. With that said, uh, we will be dropping another episode before Christmas, but, um, Enjoy the holiday season, all the Christmas parties, holiday parties, family gatherings. Uh, And we also know that for some of you, the holiday season can be hard. It's uh, remembering Mm -hmm. loved ones that are no longer with us and or just Mm -hmm. can bring up things that maybe you don't have good memories or associations with. So uh, much love to you guys. Yes. And I can't believe we're coming up. What is this? Episode 70 something or? Yeah. Or 71. <laughs> it's crazy. Amazing. So thank you. Thanks to everyone that's been listening, especially our loyal listeners from the beginning. It's our listenership is growing. Our download numbers are, are reflecting that. Um, but it's hard because we don't have a, 
like podcast is interesting because we don't have this like direct sort of like feedback. So direct interaction. The, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. And we got shadow banned on Instagram. So <laughs> if you want to, our podcast page at least. So cruise over to our, our just the Mountain Wellness Instagram page, mtn.wellness. Uh, shoot us a DM. We'd love to hear from you or even an email team at mountainwellnesslife.com. If you got anybody, uh, maybe some guests that you'd like to hear on the show or, um, or just want to send us some love. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. You got anything, Mike? Nah, that's it. Boom. Okay. That's it. Go enjoy some, uh, some good treats (laughs) and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Keep spreading that Mount Stoke. We're out. Peace. The information provided on the Mountain Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only and not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult a medical professional or healthcare provider if you're seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.